Tisha Bader, and in the news, a recent survey of American Jews on their feelings about anti-Semitism and Israel. The first such survey since Israel's conflict with terror group Hamas in Gaza. The survey yielded some disturbing results. Washington bureau chief of the JTA, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, Ron Campius, wrote an article about the survey, and he is kind enough to join us now from Arlington, Virginia, here on JBS. Ron, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So let's just talk a bit first about the group that commissioned the survey, the uh, Jewish Electorate Institute. What can you tell us about them? It's a group that's headed by, um, uh, I would say, mainstream pro-Israel Democrats. They're Democrats. They fundraise for the Democratic Party. Um, They are uh, affiliated to a degree with the Jewish Democratic Council of America, which is kind of the place it's in is it's not happy with the far left of the party, but it's certainly very much a partisan group. And um, I think the you know the aim of this survey is just to assess. Uh, it's it's like a lot of uh, even though they call themselves nonpartisan, it's like a lot of partisan surveys. It has value because they're trying to figure out how to appeal to their constituency, and they you know they they take on a um, a reputable uh, pollster to carry out the survey, and the work that they do is. Uh, is aimed at figuring, you know, figuring out how to how to pitch their, you know, how to build up their constituency and how to uh, how to reach Jews who might not um, be in exactly the same corner that they are politically. So yes, they called the uh, the poll a national profile that's meant to give a national profile of of the Jewish electorate for this year, and they asked 800 voters, pretty much split evenly between men and women. Um, seems to be. Um, most of those asked identify as reform, about 37%, uh, 31% non-denominational, and then we have 17% conservative Jews, and 9% Orthodox, and 2% Reconstructionist. Also, I just want to note, uh, people, the people who were asked were between the ages of 18 and 65, and six, 61 say they are Democrats. So it's a heavily Democratic group. Right, and that, but that reflects... Yeah, and that reflects, uh, you know, that that reflects every other survey that we've had. Jews tend to vote Democratic. Um, the uh, the numbers in there uh, are absolutely commensurate. For instance, with the American Jewish, Jewish Committee's polling, uh, recent polling in June of last year, uh, there's nothing uh, nothing surprising in uh, in how the um, in those numbers. That's not where the surprise came. It's a, right. So we're going to get to the surprise or depending how you look at it, uh, in just a minute. So there are questions that are just in general asking people how they feel President Joe Biden is doing in his role, um, how he they feel he's doing as far as uh, his relations with Israel and in the light of the recent conflict. Nothing too surprising there, I wouldn't say. Am I correct? Right. He gets 80% approval um, for uh, overall, or he gets 80% on his job rating and 70% approval and don't ask me ever to explain that. There are always differences in those two numbers in, in polling. But uh, like, I, like I said, those are absolutely um, commensurate with the other polling. And he gets, I think, uh, 64% approval for how he handled the um, the recent conflict and uh, 70% approval for how he's handling Israel relations overall or there or thereabouts. And like, that, like I said, that's, uh, that's typical. The, the one interesting little... Um, Wrinkle I'd note here, which is, is that among Orthodox Jews, you find usually in these polls, and this is reflected here, is that 
the uh, the equation is usually flipped for Orthodox Jews. They're more Republican. He gets 30% approval, 31% approval among Orthodox Jews generally, but 44% for how he handled um, how he handles Israel relations, which, uh, you know, which is, that's a kind of a little surprise, not as big as a surprise you're going to talk about, but that's a little surprise that he's doing very well among Orthodox, relatively well among Orthodox Jews. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. So then the survey gets to those who were asked um, about their feelings about anti-Semitism and about Israel. Um, so one of the questions before we get to the other ones is, can you be critical of Israel and pro-Israel at the same time? And most, a very large amount, 87% said, yes, you absolutely can be. Was there any surprise there for you? No, that's also commensurate with recent polling, including, I think, uh, by um, by the same pollster when he worked for J Street, a group that is considers itself pro-Israel, but also critical of Israel. And uh, I think also Gallup has asked that kind of um, question in the past. And so it's, it's absolutely commensurate with that um, with that, those oh. numbers. Not a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the same pretty much there was seemed to be a general support for the U.S. giving aid to Israel that changed slightly when they asked about restricting aid. But for the most part, um, there was a relatively high support rate for U.S. aid to Israel. Right. What got interesting was when they asked more specific questions about what constitutes anti-Semitism. We should first just say that 90 percent of those surveyed said they are concerned to varying degrees about anti-Semitism in the U.S., which is a which is quite a high number. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's commensurate with um uh, with what we've seen recently, the the spike in anti-Semitic incidents that, that came after the Gaza conflict in May, um, I think over the last four years, at least certainly, you know, possibly since the Charlottesville march in 2017 with the neo-Nazis, uh, but certainly since the killing in Pittsburgh in 2018, you've seen a spike in concern among Jewish Americans about, about the threat of anti-Semitism. And that is... Um, uh, was more pronounced because of the attacks on Jews that followed uh, this uh, conflict in in New York, in Los Angeles. People at a restaurant were assaulted. Um, in New York, there were there were attacks in the street. It's uh, uh, that that's absolutely not surprising. Ninety percent. Yes. So then it gets very specific about providing several statements to those taking the survey, and. Their response to the statement was either supposed to be, do you agree, do you disagree, and if you disagree, is the statement anti-Semitic? So the first statement, and perhaps also we can talk about the wording of the statement, the first statement is, Israel doesn't have the right to exist. Israel does not have the right to exist. That is the first statement, which... Again, they could have asked it maybe in, in several different ways. I don't know how you feel about that, but I want to talk about uh, the responses. Most people disagreed. In other words, agreed that Israel has the right to exist. However, the amount of people that agreed with the statement that Israel does not have the right to exist, 9%, which is, if my math is correct, about 72 people out of the 800. Right, right. And the, the margin of error is 3.5% either way, so that could be as little as 6%. We don't, we are right, or even less than 6%. But yeah, that's uh, that's correct that it, uh, there there are. And that number rises when you go to people who are under 40. Um, and yeah, that's, that's shocking. That is shocking for the, I mean, what was also interesting, I think, was that 
in terms of the five statements that were put out, and there was one state, there were four that you could identify with the left, one that you could identify with the right. Um, that was the only one that where he had an overwhelming majority, I think 67% agree that it's anti-Semitic. So it's, you have that surprising 9%, but you also have um, consensus, I think, or close to consensus that it's, it's also an anti-Semitic statement, that that's definitely still a view among Jews. And what I'd like to know, um, you know is like where, how that comports or how that fits in with the general population, what degree do people generally would view that statement as being uh, anti-Semitic. That's, uh, that, that's interesting as well. And, and also, perhaps, Matt, go ahead. I was going to just add to what you're saying, perhaps also how many in the general population agree with the statement, um, which is the most disturbing thing. Again, 9%, like you said, maybe it's six, maybe it's um, less than the nine, but you're still talking about American Jews who apparently believe that Israel has no right to exist. I personally found that, as you did, um, quite shocking, and I'm not sure what we do about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. What do you do? I mean, I'm just writing a story now. I'm finishing it on, you know, what are the failures in education that led us to this, uh, uh, this uh, period? Uh, and, you know, there are all sorts of answers. I think that... Um, you know, you, you, I don't know if you want to go on to some of the other questions, but I could also found that I think 25%, one quarter of the people agreed that Israel was an apartheid state. And that is, yes, and that is, again, just truly something that has to be looked at very closely. Um, what was your initial response to reading that? Well, I, you know, I think that what's, what's happened is you've had apartheid come into the lexicon. Uh, and one of the people I spoke to, um, uh, Sharon Nazarian, who's the... Um, who's a senior vice president at the, the uh, ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, talked about this, how it's, you know, the, the strategy of the Jewish community until now, until recently, has been to say, these views are marginal. Don't deal with them, ignore them, put them aside. But maybe they have to deal with them now because they've been, they've been mainstreamed, they've been mainstreamed in part because of the coverage of the, um, of the May conflict. They've been mainstreamed in part because of the, uh, the whole way that Americans have come to understand institutionalized racism in the wake of the the murder of George Floyd and the uh, the um, the uh, agitation here for greater um, rights for blacks and you know the, the biggest surprise number was I think 34 percent of respondents thought that the way that Israel treated Palestinians is the same thing as the way that Americans treat black people and so the, that's where you get the mainstreaming of this and, and I think also you know people brought this up there's a lack of understanding not a or lack of consensus on on what apartheid means and so you've had and that came out recently as Human Rights Watch uh, and uh, B'Tselem and Israeli Human Rights Group both said that Israel uh, <clears throat> was practicing apartheid. And then if you looked at both groups, which is shocking because apartheid, as we understand it, is as commonly understood as an ideologically racist worldview. South African apartheid held that blacks were inferior. And there's nothing like that in the, in constitutionally in Israel. There's nothing in Israel that held, holds it any non-Jewish entity is is inferior or or to be treated in a less way and in fact of course israel's declaration of independence upholds equality and so what they did was they pointed to um you know something that i hadn't known existed until this happened some international body declared that apartheid could also mean treating a, a, a class of people as um without not, not not giving them the same rights and so you know you applied that to the palestinians and the territories 
but that's a, that's not a subtle difference. That's a huge difference. <laughs> and uh, uh, whatever one thinks of how Israel treats the Palestinians in the territories, um, removing from the definition of apartheid the racist component is a massive issue. And so now, perhaps you have a lot of people who don't understand, uh, who who are or who understand apartheid is not necessarily being racist, and they're willing to apply it to the Israel situation. And uh, so there's a you know there's a massive area for education, like why. Uh, the uh, you know what what apartheid means. What do you think apartheid means, and why do you think it applies to Israel? And maybe we can you know the Jewish community can uh, address that. Absolutely. I mean, again, we're saying twenty five percent answered that they agree that Israel is an apartheid state. Shocking. Um, and I would venture to say, I don't know these people, but I am guessing that many of them, as you said, do not understand the meaning of apartheid. Um, do not know what it means, have just heard it thrown around, have heard the accusation, whether it's by the media or social media, and they just buy into it. And they're like, oh, that's what people are saying. That must be what Israel's doing. That must be the case. That must be true. Um, You spoke also about sort of this co-opting of the issue of racism in America. And again, people just saying, well, if someone so-and-so is saying that Israel is acting in a racist manner towards the Palestinians, and it's similar to the way there is racism in America, that must be true. Because we're on that side. We're on the side of justice, and that must be true. Um, so I feel like, I wonder, and I wish they would have asked in the survey, have you ever been to Israel? Because for me, I really feel that I would be surprised if those people who called Israel apartheid had been to Israel. Maybe. A small number, but I feel like being in Israel, being on the ground, seeing people of different religions, ethnicities, Israelis, Arabs, so many ethnic groups walking down the street together, working together, serving in the Knesset together, being part of the current governing coalition of the state of Israel. That was not happening in apartheid South Africa. So, so it's an interesting, I wish they would have asked, have you ever been to Israel? And I just also wonder, as you were saying, how much of this opinion just comes from things that are heard, blip, you know, things that are accused of Israel, things that are heard on social media, as opposed to someone saying, I'm really going to look into this issue. I think I'll do some research. I think I'll look into this deeper. Right, right. Uh, and I think that, you know, one of the, um, I mean, I can give you a, a kind of a, a little mini scoop here. I got the cross tabs for um, the, um, from the poster just today on uh on some of the questions. And what was interesting to me, I, I didn't find, we don't know, Yeah, as you said, we don't know who, is, um, who has been to Israel among the respondents. But what was uh, very interesting to me was that uh, you had among the um, people who said they felt that they had a real emotional attachment to Israel, um, that there were numbers among them who agreed with these statements, who also had like, so 19% of, uh, of people who, uh, were um, emotionally attached to Israel, agreed with the statement that Israel is uh, is an apartheid state. So, like, you know, that speaks to real confusion, I think, among some of the uh, respondents. Absolutely. I, I mean, and the, I was going to say that the if you're if you're if you are a pro-Israel Jewish organization, the glass half full is that you can reach those people. You know, I think that you can still talk to those people, and maybe there's a better way of reaching those people. I mean, a lot of the people I was interviewing today for this article were saying, you know, 
don't marginalize these people. If they're coming and they're saying, well, I think Israel's an apartheid state, don't necessarily count them out. Don't call them anti-Semitic. Don't say, don't put a harem on them to use the term meaning communication in Hebrew. Talk to them, engage with them. Um, so that, that I thought that was interesting as well. I agree. I think that's so important. And clearly, uh, 25% is not, a, is not a margin, is not something that can be dismissed on that one question, even if it's 9%, even if it's 6%. Um, I, I agree with you. And that leads to the question, so where does the responsibility lie? Is it Hasbara, how, how Israel sort of um, expresses itself and explains to diaspora Jewry or to the world in general? Uh, what it's doing, what its policies are. Is it Jewish educators here in the U.S., as you mentioned something earlier? Where do we kind of turn to say, okay, we need to do a better job at showing the reality on the ground? Yeah, I, that's a great question, and I think that it's a, um, it's it's just one for the ages. I mean, it's the uh, uh, the difficulties in, in Jewish education. I mean, somebody, one of the, Sharon Nazarian, who I was speaking to, said over the last seven years, uh, people, if she also leads a foundation on education, she says people in Jewish education have been talking about maybe not depicting Israel as a nirvana, as like a paradise on earth in Jewish education, talking about its flaws as a means of uh, stemming the, the, the grotesque caricatures that some, somehow sometimes come from anti-Israel actors. Um, and, um, you know, I, I mean, it's completely anecdotal, but I like to tell the story of my niece who did birthright in Israel and she was 26. She was a master's student, very intelligent young woman. Not that I'm bragging, but I am. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, she went and she did birthright and she kind of resented the, the propaganda of, that she got at birthright. But then she spent another three weeks, which you're allowed to do on birthright. And she went and she saw my family in Israel, my extended family. And that sold her on Israel, you know? It's like, and just the warmth, not just the warmth that she got, but you know, the diversity of views, the arguments that she heard, uh, the history that she heard. So I think that sometimes, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I can't lend my family to every birthright person that comes to Israel. But um, I think that, you know, maybe a more diverse, a more nuanced, a more uh, attachment to Israel is, is where, you know, where maybe the answer lies. And that's a really interesting point, uh, because, as you said, Israel is not a perfect society. It has its problems. It has its issues, just like the United States. Um, and... As we started with at the beginning of the conversation, uh, such a huge majority of those who took the survey said they can absolutely be pro-Israel and be critical of Israel. And you can you can be critical of Israel. I think the point um, of our discussion is wanting the people who have that response, wanting to know if, if they've been educated, if they've learned about the subject, or if they're just really picking up on things that they're hearing and lopping all these issues into one um, as opposed to talking to Israelis or finding out more, just having conversations and being open to what what was behind the conflict with Gaza. Mm -hmm. How yeah. long have Israelis been living under rocket fire? What is the reality? What does that mean when they have when you have seven seconds to get to a bomb shelter? And again, not trying to, as you said, paint a picture of a nirvana, but to paint a picture that is based in reality, that is based in fact, and just to be a little more open-minded and, you know, coming to your own conclusions rather than saying, well, so-and-so said Israel's an apartheid state or Israel's committing genocide, so that must be the case. 
Yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, you know, the uh, I, I told you, the you know, the people who were sponsoring this and like the, the press releases went out. Eighty percent of uh, Jewish Americans think that uh, Joe Biden's doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I was the one who the one reporter who actually looked into the survey and I found a very different headline because that headline wasn't that interesting to me. So it's not as, you know, I can't blame the people in the survey for not diving a little deeper when they got those questions. But I think you're absolutely right. I think that there needs to be research now as to what degree the people who answer the questions, who agree that Israel's an apartheid state, who agree that Israel's committing genocide, who agree that Israel shouldn't exist. What kind of education did they have? That's what uh, that's what would really be interesting. Find out what what in their education led them to those kinds of views, or is it more? Uh, was it really coming a lot from just social media? I mean, David Harris, the president of the American, uh, sorry, the CEO of the American Jewish Committee, whom I spoke with about this, he says a lot of the problems really is you know younger people getting their information from social media, which is just a you know, it's a petri dish for distortions, as we know, <laughs> and that's that, and that's his that's his speculation. I think it's probably intelligent and informed speculation, but I'd like to see more data going into that. Absolutely. So, are you following up any further on this on this research? I know you said you're writing another article now. Uh, yeah, just the story that I wrote uh, right now. I, I think you know we're we're not going to let it go. I think this is just too interesting to let go uh, uh, right now. It's. Uh, it's a, um, it's it's too critical. It's not just interesting. It's critical to understanding the American Jewish community and um, how one keeps the American Jewish community engaged. Absolutely. Well, Ron, thank you so much for writing your piece uh, in the JTA. You do a wonderful job, and uh, we appreciate your your input, your responses, and helping us better understand uh, this survey. Anytime, sure. I'm always happy to appear on JBS. It's great. Thank you so much. Ron Campy is, is the Washington Bureau Chief of the JTA, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, and we thank him so much for his time here today joining us on JBS. And thank you, as always, to our director, Sloan Copeland, managing director, Dara Golub, technical manager, Michael Paley, our transmissions director, John McDevitt, and producer Carol Lilienthal, and thank you so much for joining us on In the News.